Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome, of course, to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We have a guest episode today. I'm really relishing recording all of these guest episodes at the beginning of the year. I know I informed all of you about the project that we're doing, bringing these human design teachers on to speak about their perspective of manifestors. And today's one is a great one. Today's one is awesome. It's a real honor just for me as an individual to meet her. So I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to bring her to all of you. Everybody here is very, very likely to know the gorgeous Erin Claire Jones. She's a big voice in the human design community, has been around for a very long time. Um, you've probably been living under a rock, really, if you haven't haven't heard of Erin Claire Jones. And we share a lot of her content on manifestors in the manifestor community. So welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Now, Please, please, please tell us, tell us your design. Who, who are you? Mm -hmm. I know you're a projector. What are some other interesting things about your design? Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, I am a projector. Like you said, I have a six, two profile. I am in the second phase. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a split definition. I have an emotional authority. Um, I have seven of my nine centers defined, which is quite a defined projector. Just my it's ego center. Very defined projector. I know. Yeah. Very defined. Um, and yeah, and lots of channels that I love, the 4323, the 1333, the 4133, the 6124, the 3254, which I know might be way over some people's heads. Um, <laughs> no, but I love it. But, but you're just like, tell me. <laughs> but for my human design junkies, um, but those are a few things. That's so cool. I don't think that I've ever met a, a seven to find center projector before. Yeah. So you said your ego and your sacral are undefined. Yep. Ooh. That's two, mm -hmm. two big players to not have in the game. I, I know. <laughs> I was like, that's enough for me. Um, no, but those, yeah, there, I mean, and also I find that like when we have fewer defined centers um, or the undefined centers, it's just like, there's more intensity in those ones. There are a lot of lessons in those. So the ego and the sacral definitely hold a lot of lessons for me. <laughs> no doubt. I'm quite mm -hmm. the opposite. Obviously you just pulled out my chart before the call, mm -hmm. but I only have three defined. So there's, I definitely resonate with the opposite of that experience that, that you know the the vast number of open energies mm -hmm. actually creates this sort of fogginess around conditioning it's not necessarily intense unless I choose it to be intense in one particular area totally. but I've met yeah. a number of people with a lot of defined centers who say exactly what you said it really puts yeah. a spotlight on the one on the one space. I know. 
Yes. Do you feel like you have like one that you're like discovering at a time? Like, does yeah. it feel like there's like a focus? Yeah, but I'm I'm conscious about that. I'm deliberate yeah. about that, which I think is very reflective of being a manifester. There's there's this choice and this autonomy, even in my personal journey of self. Um, yeah. But I'm also a quad left, so I'm I'm structured with the way that I move through the fluidity of energetics. So. Of I do. I do kind of choose where I'm going to focus and, mm-hmm. and tackle that and then just let it emerge into whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and lately I've been really revisiting my undefined emotional center, which mm. is, that's a tough one. There's layers. There are layers in there. Yeah. yeah. Does it feel like different rediscovering it after you've been digging into it for a while? Like yeah, what's very new much. This time? Yeah, very much. Yeah. And I'm really rediscovering it in the context of relationships um, mm. and understanding how that, not just the conditioning, but also that state of alignment and that state of expansiveness with an undefined emotional center really can be represented in connection with another person. Yeah. So very four line. But it's uh, like, yeah, I hear you. There's a, there's a deliciousness to that. But it's also quite triggering. I can imagine my partner has a completely open emotional center and I have, you know, a, quite a defined one. So it's, it's been, I mean, it's, I've never learned so much about that center as I have in my relationship. So it feels <laughs> like it's such a beautiful playground to really like understand that and like, and learn how to honor the differences. The mirrors, right? The relationships are always the mirrors. Damn them. I know. Always I, know. I know. God. And all the right ways and all the hardest ways too. Correct. Correct. Now, I remember hearing you, I think, on a, the Day Luna podcast. And I love, mm-hmm. I love Day Luna. I've worked closely with Dana and Shana in the past. They've been on this podcast a couple of times. I've been on theirs. But I, I remember hearing an episode that you did with them where you talked about the story of how you came into human design. And mm-hmm. I was at the gym, I think, when I was listening. And I was, I was on the rowing machine and I stopped because it was so fascinating. I remember you talking about you got invited by someone, some random person, like a man yes. that you met who was in human design and that launched this whole, yeah. all the, can oh, you tell us that story? Cause it was so fascinating. It's crazy. And like, I think that I realized, I was like, oh, this is wild. Like when it happened, but I think now looking back and being like, oh my God, my whole life shifted from that. And it was so aligned with human design is really wild. Um, so it was in 2015. I'd never heard of human design. Human design was very new, I think, to a lot of us. And a lot of people hadn't heard of it. Um, and I was at a friend's gathering in New York City and sat next to a stranger. And he asked to give me a little human design reading. And I was curious because I'm curious about most things that will give me cool information about myself. Um <laughs> But I said, yes. And he gave me this little reading and it was so, and when I say little, it was just short. It was like 20 minutes, but it was so spot on. And I always say that it was like equal parts relieving and confronting. Mm -hmm. There was a part of me that was just like, oh my God, thank God you just gave me a language for everything I've always felt, but never really allowed. And it was really confronting because I was like, I have been running so far from that. Like, is that, am I really allowed to show up that way? So it gave me this very accurate, very confronting reading. And he actually ended the conversation by saying, Aaron, I think you're meant to do this. And I think that um, we're meant to do it together. And as you know, human design is not predictive. He was not like, you know, it's in the stars, but I think he observed that like, I might have a knack for translating human design, but I also think he observed that there was like a lot of compatibility between our designs. He was a six two as well. He was a manifesting generator. We created the 2145 together. Um, 
just like lots of things. And it was more, he just like had a gut feeling about it. Um, so he actually one invited me in and ended up being my first teacher. He'd been studying human design for a decade and we built a business together for two years before I went off on my own in early 2018, but it was so wild, you know, and, and it was amazing. Cause I remember like saying yes, not immediately, but after a little bit, and he was like, I can't believe like, you're just saying yes. Like you just like, don't even understand the system yet. And I was like, I know it's weird. I was like, but everything about it felt so right. You know? And, and just mind you, like for those listening, like this was at a time where human design was like not popular. It was not a thing like yeah, and, and the first yeah. at all. And like, and I was not recognized in human design for years after that, but, um, but like, it just speaks to the magic of human design where I was like, something about this is so right. And like, I don't quite know why yet, but I trust that I'll discover why later. What was that experience like of firstly entering into a partnership with a stranger and secondly, entering into creating a business in a a very unrecognized, unseen industry? I assume you were working or you were doing your own business or, or something that was definitely not in human design. I, yes, it, I will say it was not easy. Um, I, at the time when I first met him, I was consulting for a bunch of different startups in New York. I kind of came from the entrepreneurship world and not um, having my own companies. I had studied entrepreneurship and I was in kind of like business development community roles. So I was enjoying what I was doing. It was like so fun in my twenties in New York, but it was not like Aaron, you found your thing. If there is even one thing for all of us, but I think that, um, but I think that it was, I, I felt like young and excited to just try a new thing. I will say that neither of us were really like skilled entrepreneurs. Like looking back, it was like, we were so excited to build a thing, but like, I was just like a lot of the decisions we made, I don't think were particularly smart. Um, we were also focused purely on human design for business. Um, so I think that like, it was, it was really fun because I was learning an entirely new thing, but it was really hard because we were never able to build a sustainable business together. Yeah. Like we had clients and it was great, but it was just so early on and there was so much education. And we also were like really niching down, like only working with companies. Um, so I will say like, it was, it was fun and it was hard. And, and I walked away from that business, like, because I was like, I can't build a business around human design. So like, it was just like, this is not sustainable. I can't do this. And a new amazing job came up and I was like, this is, this is the thing for now. So it's also like important for people to know it's like, yes, it's amazing. And I'm so excited by like what's been created over the past eight years, but like, it was definitely not like that and not like, not like that at the beginning. And it wasn't like that for a couple of years. How did you transition back then? How did that, that spark an individual decision to return to doing it for yourself? Yeah. Well, also I will say like the partnership was amazing and it was also challenging. Like we had really different ways of talking about human design, you know? And so like, I'm forever grateful for him because he launched me into this system. He was an amazing teacher, but like, we just communicated about it in really, really different ways. And I translated his, it was just like, so there was, there there was friction at times. And so um, I ended up basically I was living in New York city and this beautiful co-working space was opening. Um, and I met the founder and he was, I have a two in my profile and he was like, Aaron, like, you've just got a thing. I want you to be part of this. And so, um, I never applied for a thing. He just hired me as part of the founding team. And I was like, and it was hard because I felt like I was giving up on human design, but it was actually the decision that I made that actually like propelled my future in human design in ways I could have never imagined. So, um, and he loved human design. That's part of why he hired me. So, Um, I started that and I will say I got back into it because I would say four months in, um, I was kind of opening, I was doing all the events, all the programming, um, and four months in my partner, my now husband was like, Aaron, like, 
you kind of walked away from a dream. Like you loved human design. And like, I was actually like gathering all these human design experts to give a talk. And he was like, Aaron, you could give the talk. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to bring all the experts. Like he was like, you could give a talk on this. And so I remember it was like new year's 2017. He's like, you've got to try again. You failed. So what, you know, like, doesn't mean you like can't do it again. And he's an entrepreneur. So he's like used to failure. I was like, not used to it in the same way. Um, so I remember like, um, he built me a website and was like, let's just start again, see what happens. Um, so I started offering sessions and I rearranged my, um, job so that I could do sessions alongside the business sessions alongside my job and things just started building. And one thing I will just say is that like, it was so much more, it felt so much better in my system to build my human design business alongside having a job Mm. because like, I just like, didn't feel all this pressure to support myself immediately. And it felt so much more organic. And like the members of that community were all my initial clients. And so like my roster was full for that first year from people that I met at the job. Um, and the, when I left the job, I was just making, I think probably, and I had a great salary, but I was like making more in human design than the job. And it was just like, Oh, now I can go, you know? And then my husband became my business partner. And then it like all took on a whole different thing. But, um, yeah, that's, that's how we started again. I give my husband a lot of credit for that. What I love about that story is that there's, there's a perception, a very, very altered perception when people look at somebody who's established in a community or certainly established in any kind of entrepreneurship um, that you must have just cracked some code from the beginning that you just you made a right decision or you connected with the right people or you chose the right niche and and it's all accumulated very easily and naturally into this place of success where you are Mm -hmm. um and as somebody who has come from a long history in business myself, this is my 15th year in business. Wow. I have never, I've never, ever met anyone who has had that experience. I, yeah. It's never, it's not, it's, it's actually a process of resilience. It is the, oh, I did this and it, it didn't quite work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got a bit defeated and I walked away and then I, I came back and I tried again and I tried it in a slightly different way. Um, and I really feel like I was, I was chatting, uh, just last week with Katie Calder, human design lady, mm-hmm. also a six, two, um, chatting about that experience of, of the six line and the yeah. perception of others <laughs> of the six line that mm-hmm. there is, um, there is a strange projection onto the mm-hmm. six of mm-hmm. almost this complete denial of, of any struggle that took yeah. place mm-hmm. for the six to get where they are. Do you feel that too? Mm, yeah. It's so interesting. Um, yeah. I feel like, cause especially people can like see the kind of wisdom and not see all the chaos or things that were required to get there. Yeah. Um, I do feel that. And I also will say that like, I discovered human design when I was 25 and I remember my oh, partner, yeah. I was a three, my partner was 50 and he was a six two. <sighs> So we were in opposite phases. And I remember him just being like, Aaron, this is like not a great time to partner with you because like you're in such an experimental phase. And I was like, no, we're good. Like we're in this for life, you know? (laughs) Um, And then I was like, oh, this doesn't feel good. I'm going to move on. So like, um, it is really interesting because I do think that I discovering human design gave me a lot more permission to let it be chaotic and let it be messy and know that like, this is not about figuring everything out right now. Like this is about trying it, seeing what works, learning what I can from it and continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to share that story. And like, because I do think that it's really easy to project like, Oh, it looks like things are working so great right now. And like, yeah, but also like, 
And, and one thing I'll say is that like, you know, our business has been amazing and there have also been really hard moments, you mm-hmm. know, and, and hard moments we will have taken our stuff and just like, it's just like stuff where it's just like, it hurts, yeah. you know? And I think as a six, it's so, it's been tempting for me to be like, I'm going to like get in the details and like really just like be sad about it. And like being a six has been like, I've got to rise above it, you know, like this sucks and it's been really challenging and I feel really betrayed. And also like part of the gift of the six is taking the higher perspective, especially as we get older. Mm-hmm. And so it's been actually a really big reminder for me, like in those moments of like, I've got to rise above it. And like, I've got to feel it and be in it, but not like fester, you know? So that's been a big, it's been really useful for me as I've gotten older to really kind of learn to lean into that a bit more. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've really, I've been journeying through lately <clears throat> this interesting experience as a six in that second phase of, of having moments of being taken down off the roof, oh, yeah. and, you know, really being oh, yeah. off and, and kind of having to mix <laughs> amongst the chaos um, and totally. feeling angry, feeling incredibly angry about that, but also feeling really sad of, is this, is this what it's like here? You know, and, and I have to mm. honor, honor the experience of being present in this and yeah. learning whatever is going on, but I also, I need to get up and out. I I have to, totally. I have to get away from this because this is not healthy for me to be mm-hmm. in this place. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd actually realized before now in my experience that, you know, that sensation of being mm-hmm. pulled off the roof. At first I was yeah. kind of shocked. <laughs> like totally. I didn't give permission for this. Totally. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Have you yeah. felt that? Oh yeah. I, I love how you articulated that. I have felt that. I felt that last year for sure. Like it was like, cause we kind of had challenging things happen. Of, and, and again, not in our, not in our business, like entirely, but just kind of with people outside of our business. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like in my second trimester, like we had just launched our first course. Like I was flying, you know? And it was just like, I remember just being like, I felt like I pulled down and I was like, I can't believe it's happening right now. I was just like, <laughs> I'm like, it was so, it was so upsetting, yes. you know? And I do feel like I could really like, and I feel the sadness and the bitterness for sure for me as a projector. And I just feel like it required a lot of awareness. And and I will say that like, I really like brooded for a while. Like it just took some time <laughs> for me to be like, so and we pull back, you know, like <laughs> I, and I, and I think what's always been helpful for me as a six is knowing that like, that kind of pessimism can really come when we're too in it and when we get pulled off and the optimism really comes when we pull back. And so I think like really giving myself that opportunity. And I think even, you know, I, I gave birth in December Yay, and congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> and like, and I've, I've noticed moments like that too, where I've kind of been this like really blissful, just like obsessed with my baby and these things will like pull me out. And I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> and just like learning how to come back. So I, I think that I have experienced that. And I just love the way that you articulated that because I think it, will help me even become more aware of like, I'm being pulled off the roof and like, this is not a problem, but I have to be aware of like what's happening. So I can like know how to feel the stuff I'm feeling, but also pull back and get perspective when I need. Mm, so good. So yeah. good. Okay. We were saying before we hit record that you actually come from a family with quite a few manifestors that you, your family growing up was, was made up of projectors and manifestors, which I love. I love yeah. because that 50%. Yeah. yeah. It was your, did you say it was your father and your brother? Are both no, my sister and my mom. Your sister so, and mom, oh, by the way. Okay. 
Yeah, opposites. <laughs> my sister, my mom, and then my dad was a projector like me. He's a mental projector. My Ooh. mom's an ego manifester. Ooh. And my sister is an emotional manifester. So like, I will just say poor parents. <laughs> like <laughs> my sister and I had these like very defined emotional centers just projecting out into my family. And my parents were um, taking that in probably unconsciously. Oh, so your parents were both incredibly rare. An ego manifester yeah. and a mental projector. What are the So changes? weird. I know. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. What I love though is that that gives you a really long history of experience with manifestors mm -hmm. in a super yeah. real way. And one of the, the struggles I think in um, having a sort of representation or advocacy, I guess, in my role for, for manifestors amongst the human design community is that a lot of the narrative about manifestors is textbook. It's the same yeah. regurgitation of kind of the four key points. Yeah, manifestors. Totally. And I have an appreciation for why that happens because I think mm -hmm. it's very difficult to understand mm -hmm. manifestors mm -hmm. in a real way on an energetic yeah. level and also because we remove ourselves from mm -hmm. things and, and we separate. Um, so I'm always thrilled to talk to people who have both that language to talk about yeah. manifestors but then real-life experience <laughs> about it. Yeah. What was that? What was that like growing up with two manifestors in the family? Yeah, it, it's just so funny. Like, obviously, I didn't know it back then. So yeah. it's really funny for me to just like reflect and like look back on our experiences through that lens. Um, I would say my sister in particular, um, she is, you know, it's so funny because like I was going through all this like self-development stuff in my 20s. And I was just like, oh, my God, this modality, and, like these psychedelics. I was just like loving all the things, you know, and I remember like looking at my sister and be like, I want her to try everything, you know. And so like I was just like pushing it all on her, mm -hmm. you know, and like just that very that tempting nature from a projector being like, I see all these ways in which you could be transformed and I want to guide you in all the ways. And I remember her just being so angry <laughs> and like and I just didn't get it. You know, it's like these are like do this and do this and like. I just like looking back, like my attempt to try to tell her what to do and how to do it was like the most, like it was the most challenging thing I could have done. Mm. And so like that, just like learning that and seeing that was so useful. Apologies if you hear a baby crying in the background. Oh, so good. Yeah. That. I have three children. Okay. This is a normal part okay. of my experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for parents. Everyone's right. just like, they're used to it. They're like, you're good. Like, Come on. <laughs> um, so anyways, I think that I really learned how to communicate with my sister in a way that like, isn't pushing things on her. And I think that like a lot of our challenges have arisen from that, you know, mm -hmm. me just being like, I see all these things you should do it and you should do it this way. And her just being like, get off my back. Like <laughs> I'm going to do it my way. And like, not because you told me to, um, I think anger was really useful for me to learn because like a lot of when things get really challenged is when she gets really angry, you mm -hmm. know, and now really kind of seeing that, um, it is interesting. Like, and I, I don't, I'd be curious your thoughts on this. Like when I look at my mom and my sister, they're both so powerful, but also like, I think not always so aware of their own power. Mm. Um, and, you know, I often give the guidance of like really reminding manifestors of their power and like other impacts. So I guess before I keep going, I'm curious, like, do you actually feel like that's useful? Yes. Like, does that feel? Oh, yeah. 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 I think that the, the ownership of power, the recognition of the sovereignty of the manifesto power yeah. and Yes, how impactful that is, but uh, but additionally, the responsibility that we hold yeah. to use that well, totally. that's such a worthy conversation. I love talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like look back, I think that like I could have done a much better job of that um, mm -hmm. because like I see it and just reminding her of that. I think also my sister in particular, it's like, um, 
you know, when you can get in that manifestor energy, like when you get in, it's like, honestly, it feels very soft to me. It feels very sacred. It feels very strong, but it's like, it's just not, it's a thing that like, I realize that it just takes her so much more time to let people in, you know, it's like when people meet her, they're not like, Oh my, you know what I mean? It's just like, but once you're in, it's like the best. Um, and so I've kind of know, and I noticed that with a lot of my manifestor friends, it's like when I'm in, I'm just like, this feels so good. I am so lucky, you know? Um, but I also know that like, they don't offer that up to everybody. And like, and they're not available for everybody in that way. Um, so I think that like, that's a thing that I've really noticed in terms of her meeting new people and cultivating new relationships. Mm. Um, and so, and I think with my mom growing up, like, you know, it's interesting. She doesn't know her exact birth time. The ego manifests her peace saves throughout the day, but it's like, I don't have much details in her profile or things like that, which I would love. Um, one thing I know for sure, she's the 2145 channel. Like she needs to be in control. Um, <laughs> 100 and everyone in our family knows that but I don't think that we really admitted that you know mm. so um so yeah and I think that like and she just took it a lot in the family but I think that it's been really useful to know that and just be like oh let me just like not fight for her I have the 21 not fight for her for control and really kind of give her that control and just like let her do her own thing and not kind of get in her way so you know it's a bit all over the place but I, I'm still just witnessing in all of them and both of them and really like noticing with my dad and her like it's just it's been really interesting but I would say the biggest lesson for me as a projector is to not try to guide either of them um, thank you thank you yeah <laughs> I mean it's not easy you know I really would like to you know but and one f- final example I'll give is that like I've been trying to get my mom to go on like a meditation retreat with me, like with me forever. And, you know, I'm just like, let's go on a retreat. Let's do the whole stuff. And she's always like, mm, no, thank you. You know, and she just told me last week, she's like, oh yeah, I'm like going to this new meditation class. I'm like really getting into it. And I was just like, what? Like you did this thing. And like, and it was just like, and she's loving it, you know, but it was just like such a reminder where it's like on her terms in her way, not because I told her to, Correct. you know? Correct. And so that's been a big lesson for me. Mm, gosh, that's so good. Yeah. I, I want to pick up on one part that you mentioned about um, uh, that barrier that manifestors have to letting people flow yes. into our energy, but what that experience is like for the the few people that are allowed in. I think that that's, hmm, it's not, that's not covered a lot because I don't think that that's we have true. a lot of language to, to describe why yes. that happens or what that feels like. And certainly what I've witnessed in in myself as a, a four-line in particular and in a lot of other manifestors is that we hold a lot of uh, shame and guilt mm-hmm. within ourselves for for not letting more people in, for mm. um, it seems too harsh, like I'm I'm too mean or I'm too independent because there always feels like there's people vying to get yeah. in. There's always yeah. a line, right, of mm-hmm. of people who totally. would want to be in that space. But um, certainly for me, what it comes down to is a a basis of trust and safety. Mm-hmm. Anybody mm-hmm. who comes close has to prove that they yeah. are safe. Yeah. What does that feel like on the outside of the aura as somebody trying to connect in? Yeah, I think that it just feels like inaccessible. Like, I just like, so I see, like, it's like, I can like observe a lot of power in somebody, but they like feel like far away, you mm-hmm. know, like, it's just like, I'm like, I can see it. And like, but it doesn't feel, yeah, I just like, can't really imagine it. Whereas like being, and I always talk, and I'm curious how you feel about this too. I always share with like manifestors or sometimes do that. Like 
because they're like their aura and energy is a bit more closed and protected. Like when they walk into a room, they might not be the first person that people go to, you know, but then once they initiate the connection, like people can really be pulled in. And so like knowing that it's like, it's, it's just protecting them. Like, and it's just like pushing away those who aren't for them. But I think one thing I would just say is like, I have a manifester friend and like, she, oh God, like I, the, when I quit this last job, she's like so hilarious because she's initiated me into so many things. <laughs> but I remember I was like going to have a meeting with my boss and I was like, oh, is it time to leave and do my human design thing full time? And I saw her right before the meeting and she's like, Aaron, it's time for you to leave. Tell him <laughs> in this meeting. And I was like, okay, I will. And I just went upstairs. I was like, I'm leaving. He was like, great. But it's just like, and even like she had a baby three months before me and she was just like, called me. She's like, this is what you have to do. And I was like, <laughs> noted, I will do it. You know? And it's just like so funny because like, she just like really takes care of me because she's like decided I get to be inside. And I think about all these big things in my life and she's been the one like initiating me into all of them. Um, so yeah. So I think like, I I will just say being inside of that feels like the most sacred thing in the world. Mm. And I think being outside of it, it's like, I can observe the potential, but I have no idea what it feels like. I love that. I love that. I've actually heard that from a lot of people that being, being inside the energy is warm and mm-hmm. soft and very peaceful. I think that's what it that's yeah. what it feels like for us as well within our own energy. And that's why we prefer to be just within that rather than totally. trying to interact with a lot of other people. Um, yeah. I think the soft is like an important thing to bring up. Yeah. And the warm, because I do feel like there can be such an intensity for manifestors. Like I can often that like I think that that's assumed and like it can be intense and like sparky and initiating and provoking, but like there's also that peaceful side of it, which is just like yeah feels so good yeah yeah I think Mm. we what's really unknown about us is that we we love very big we are yeah quite fiercely protective of people Mm -hmm. that we allow in our space and we'll generously give our initiating energy to other people as long as we feel like you're respecting it and the way that you're receiving it you're using it for something Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. rather than being sort of typecast as um the initiator's for everyone. And then totally. it, it feels like we're being just a commodity then, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right? We're like a vending machine. And I, I, I think that there's a similarity to that with projectors too, that you have this incredible ability for wisdom and mm-hmm. for insight to, to penetrate things, to see all of the options and to guide. And I think people really take that for granted, but they yeah. can use projectors like a, a vending machine. Like, mm-hmm. Let me come to you. Let me take your energy. Give me the way. And I'm not necessarily going to implement it or do anything with it. I'm just going to take it to feel good and then walk away. Worst. I know. I know. I always have to remind projectors. I'm just like reciprocity, you know, (laughs) and like, just like, and again, like it's, it's like, you can be so good at making people feel seen as a projector, but like, you've got to feel so seen in return, Mm. you know, and like, it will give you energy because I think a lot of us projectors, we've experienced that where it's like, we give all this guidance that either doesn't land, they don't hear it or they don't implement it. And like, and I, and I always remind projectors, like the right invitations and recognition are the things that give you energy, you know, like they're the things that actually kind of open up your potential, whereas the wrong things will just deplete you so deeply. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes. Can we talk about the projector manifester relationship for a minute? Mm-hmm. I'm aware that a lot of manifestors are in numerous relationships with projectors because we yeah. naturally vibe pretty well together. Um, I personally am, I'm married to a projector. One of my children Mm. is a projector, my eldest, he's a projector and he's just the greatest little human being on the earth. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I'm surrounded by projectors. 
Can you can you talk with your your words and and kind of your wisdom on what that relationship is like? Yeah, I think like it I think what I just think of like most immediately is the aura piece mm-hmm. because like I guess I can envision very easily why it can be a challenging relationship when like their independent designs are not honored. But I would say that with probably most types. Like I think a lot of things can be really challenging if we're expecting each other to be the same. And so like, I think with a manifestor, their energy is very protected and, and a little bit more selective of who they allow in. And the projector energy is really penetrating and really kind of like locking in the people and really wanting to see people. And so I can just imagine if a projector wants to see a manifestor that doesn't want to be seen or guided by them, oh. it can be really challenging. So mm-hmm. like, I just like envision that potential, but I also then feel like when a manifestor allows a projector in, um, it can be magical, you know, it allows themselves to be seen and wants to see them as well. And I will say that as a projector being initiated by a manifestor is profound, you know? And so like, I guess with all relationships in human design, it's like when the differences are honored, anything is possible when they're not, things can be really challenging. Um, I guess one thing I would be curious your thoughts on is this like whole thing around questions, because projectors tend to be quite good at asking questions that kind of pulling people's truth out of them. And manifestors tend to not, as far as I know, to not want to be pestered with unwanted questions. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's an important distinction, like not pestered with questions, you know, pestered with like unwanted questions that just don't provoke them or inspire them in many ways. Um, And so, so yeah, I think that like, that's an interesting dynamic of like how to really, like when you ask a manifestor, probably a really interesting question, it probably could be really great for them, you know, but just like pestering them with things they don't care about could be quite annoying. Um, So those are the initial things that I think about. But I also think that like what's so amazing about both types is they share that undefined or open sacral center. Mm. And so they both have that deep sensitivity to other people. They both have like such a need for time alone. They're both going to have ebbing and flowing energy, even if they like ebb and flow in really, really different ways. And so it feels like there can be a real honoring and understanding that they both operate differently than much of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, and like really knowing how to support each other in that. And also when we kind of go back to that piece of reminding manifestors of their power, it's like, I feel like projectors probably have like such a knack for that, Mm. you know? And so it feels like they can support each other so deeply um, if the projector is not trying to guide a manifestor that does not want to be guided. Yeah, there is there is a kind of sweet non-sacral unity, isn't there, that I find amongst projectors and reflectors is that there's an innate understanding of this is what it is to be a non-sacral in a, a sacral world. And there's a lot of compassion and capacity for that. Right. Like if you, I understand implicitly that you need separation and that you need rest and you're going to do that differently for me, but I'm never going to question totally. it or try to exactly. remove that from you. Right? Um, the whole piece about questioning a manifestor is such a good, that's such a good point too. And mm-hmm. there's a, an oversimplification on that. I totally. feel in a lot of content about it because um, I mean, manifestors exist in the in the real world, right? Like, 100%. Questions will be asked. Yeah. Correct. We're humans. Like we, we know how to answer questions. Um, and the real nuance that exists underneath that, from my perspective at least, is that um, it's, it, it, it's all wrapped up in responsiveness, right? So we're willing, we're very, very willing to be responsive, to answer yeah. questions, to even move into action in, in responsive ways. But it has to be a value. There has to be a, a purpose and an intent and a meaning for that. So if it's questioning just for the sake of questioning or just for the sake of making noise, having mm-hmm. conversation, that's infuriating, incredibly infuriating totally. to do. Yeah. But for me, certainly 
the experience of being questioned with purpose and intent by a projector mm. is beautiful. It's beautiful mm. because mm-hmm. it's it's immediately being seen yeah. and recognised that the projector is pulling specific things and giving, yeah. really giving a space and a permission for the manifester to just speak. We actually yeah. don't have many, many spaces for that. And I think it's probably true for MGs as well. Yeah. Because we're so big when we speak, there's right. always a hesitancy of, mm. is there space here to hold me? If I speak, mm-hmm. will this be, you know, too much for someone? Are they able to receive me? Or is this best for me to just experience internally? Yeah. You know, yes. or even externally, I'll speak to myself <laughs> just to express it through the totally. throat. But I, I yeah, I, I would encourage projectors to do more of that with manifestors because that's really healing for us yeah. to experience it. Just it just has to be for a reason. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And there's there's a manifestor, Jamie, who's been in the course and she really has articulated that so beautifully as well where she's like I love good questions yeah. you know um and one example I think of is I had a family session with the um the mom was a manifester and like and basically every night like for dinner the son and the dad would be like what do you want for dinner and like we're and, and she was just like stop you know <laughs> but like when they were just like we are ordering dinner at 6 p.m and just like left it at that. They just like literally informed her when dinner was going to be ordered, where they're ordering it from. And it was up to her to be like, I want to get in on that. Or like, no, thank you. And like, I just remember her being like, this feels so much better in my system yeah. than like just being like them, like just like knocking on my door every five minutes, like just inform me what needs to happen. And then I'll let you know. And so like, I also think there are simple things where it's just like inform manifestors and kind of let them engage on their terms you know, when it's even like kind of coordination stuff. Um, and then the kind of provoking questions can be a separate thing. Mm, so true. So true. Yeah. The requirement for other people to inform manifestors. Oh, so so correct. Yeah, yeah. And I actually think projectors understand that the best of everyone. I found projectors yeah. the most adaptable and the most open to that. When we say, I, I need you to inform me. I'm informing you that I need you to inform me. And I found totally. projectors are really open to that and really quickly mm. move into it. It's like a, oh, great. There's a, there's a strategy. There's a structure. Totally. I'll, do, I'll do that because that will make you feel loved. That will make yes. you feel recognized. Yes. I've really noticed um, in my relationship with my husband too, because we've been together for 18 years, that wow. it's a long time. That's a really long time. That's very impressive. Yeah. Um, there, there is this sort of, how do I word this? I feel like there's a need for the projector energy to disengage from the manifestor energy. Yes, to have that that solo space as a projector that all projectors need, um, but to to disengage from the loudness of the yes. manifestor energy to really, I think, connect to that sense of self to get yeah. that clarity of your own projector energy. I've really witnessed my husband sort of get almost confused and like like muddled up and it's it gets too triggering and too confronting and that only happens when he's not removing himself from me or totally. I'm not initiating that for him. What yes. do you, have you witnessed that? Do you feel the same way? Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause obviously the centers will definitely play some role in that. But I would say that like, when I think of that friend and I think, I think of that friend because she's so embodied in her manifesto energy. Um, I definitely feel that, you know, where it's like, it's so intense and like, and like enlivening and like amazing when we're together. And then I'm just like, I'm so pumped. You know, and then I'm just like, 
let me return and see what's actually feasible. And I would say, especially like, you know, obviously we haven't talked before, but like with a defined ego center, I can imagine that's especially intensified. I can imagine like I'd be around you. I'm like, I can do anything, you know, and then I walk away. I'm like, pretty much. Yeah. Can I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I do, I, I see that. Yeah. And I, when I think of that friend in particular, just like, it's so intense and the most beautiful when we're together. And I do think I need that time after, like, even when I quit that job to just walk away and be like, let me just check. Do I really want to do that? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. You know? Um, because I can kind of get swept away with that. Just like, um, just like her conviction around things. That's such a beautiful way to frame it. That yeah. really is. I, I feel like it's, it becomes quite addictive. Yeah. That there must be a very expansive sense of, of borrowing that energy of like, whoa, totally. I really, <laughs> I really can take on, on those big things. And um, as manifestors, I don't think we ever really feel like that with with anyone at all. Um, yeah. I have discovered that uh, coming up close to MGs, allowing myself yeah. to be intimately close with MGs has some of that quality totally. because it's it's almost like a match, right? It's mm-hmm. a like yeah. you're equally as big as I am and totally. so I can't overrule you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to need to create right. space for you to be as big as, as I am. And that's, that's pretty confronting. That's pretty challenging. Totally. And like in big in such different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, it, but it's also just a good reminder that it's like, it's not bad if we want space for each other. And it doesn't mean like anything's wrong with somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, it's, and it's such a reminder that it's like, let me just like, let's just be in the juiciness of our connection and also be like in our own energy to like reconnect to that. Like we all need that in different ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that it's easy to like, take it personally. And I have some manifesting generator friends specifically where it's like being around them is like, I am like, like flying when I leave them, <laughs> but I also know the need to leave them, you know, because I'm like, this is so exciting that I know I need to just reconnect and like reconnect to what's mine, you know? And so just, we all need that in different ways. Mm, spoken like such a, a two line. That's good. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I, I need it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Let me remove from the people now, please. Yeah. I need to, I, I need to be away. Whenever we have like gatherings at our house, there's always like a point where it's just like, I just disappear. They're like, where'd Aaron go? Like, oh, she's, she's in her own. Okay. Got it. <laughs> She'll return. She'll be she back. Will, when she's ready. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I love it. I could talk for a really, really, really long time. I love, I love listening to you and I love listening to your, your experiences and your insight. I was saying before we, we jumped on the call, just for people to hear um, what I've really respected and enjoyed about your work is this ability to represent this system and this language with very accurate simplicity, but to make it very applicable. And I, I think that's why people really resonate with, with what you do and, and how you do it is that there is just, there's this a simplicity in the form. It's a yes. very, this doesn't need to be overcomplicated. This doesn't need to be, you know, very loud and going in lots of different directions. What we need to just understand is what access this gives to us, to ourselves, yeah. and then how do we use that? So I uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing some of that with us yeah. in this episode. We really appreciate what it is that you do in the human design community. Mm. Thank you so much for saying that. That's you're definitely welcome. always my intention with human design. So it's good to hear that scene. Yeah, you're very welcome. For anybody who has not come across you before or hasn't worked with you, how how can people find you? Where are you? 
What are some of the things mm-hmm. that you might be doing? I know you do human design blueprints, which are mm-hmm. very cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love you to talk about that. Yeah, of course. So um, on Instagram, I'm at Erin Claire Jones and human design blueprint. And yes, um, the best place, I mean, you guys have probably all gotten started already, but um, our primary offering is the blueprint book, which is a 55 plus page guide all about your unique design. And it's exactly what you said. It's like really meant to kind of simplify out of human design jargon and just focus on how can you actually use all these elements of your design in your life to find more flow and to really kind of connect to yourself, whether it's how to use your channels, your profile, your centers, your type. So it's a really kind of a personalized book all about you. Um, We have a discount code. Do you have a word that you like to use? Oh, let's. I know. Make I should have told you that. Let, yeah, God, in the moment, it's okay. I'm splenic. Um, yeah. Let's make it something to do with manifester. That'd be great. Great. What do I do? Manifester. Manifester. That doesn't <laughs> exist. Okay. Um, and then I also teach human design, and we're actually I know this is coming out in April, so we're gonna have something new then. But um, yeah, if you want to dig into human design, I have lots of different offerings around that. So good. I I have really experienced a lot of a lot of projected teaching through my human yes. journey. I've had a lot of projector um, influence that I've allowed yes. allowed in to really be my my guiding voice, and I could not recommend that more highly. I think the projector ability, um, especially someone like you who's so so established in it and so clear yeah. on what you're doing, and you deliver it with such alignment. It, there is just a, a beautiful symbiosis as a manifester to mm. receive in that way, whether you're just learning about yourself or whether going into the human design system is something that you want to do for a purpose. If you want to build that out into totally. a business, become a teacher or reader yourself. I don't think there's anybody better than a projector to learn that from. So yeah, I oh, strongly encourage people that. to get in your space. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm yeah. a big fan of projectors. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's, it's just like, I think that, um, and I think every type will teach things so differently, but projectors do just like love going into that system. Um, so it's been so fun to create offerings around that and to teach human design. Mm. Thank you for being here, Erin. We'll let you get back to your little your little newborn. Thank you for giving us time. Seven weeks post-birth, you're incredible for doing that. Well done. My pleasure. Yes. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for being here with us. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifesto Community. Until next time, please, manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.